um, try this out in our community. And so that, um, that insert for the wisdom, one day, um, led by Pastor Harold Bullock, his church is Hope Community Church, and he um, you know, sent that team out to help us get this off the ground. Actually, there's some staff members here. I'd like to introduce you guys to them today. And this is um, Matt and Jessica Sturdivant, and if you guys would stand, and Ben and Nan McSpadden, and they are on staff at, at Hope Community Church, Harold Bullock's church, and they are here visiting. We've been a part of a staff week from some of the churches that we are uh, connected to in the Hope Global Network this past week, and so I wanted you guys to know they were here. Uh, introduce yourselves to them before they leave today. Uh, you guys can be seated. They actually have uh, the very first team that they sent out. We really had no idea how we were going to pull off a sports camp. We'd signed up over 100 kids, and we had no idea. It was, they were arriving like on a Sunday, and the camp started Monday. And they said, you need you know, as many volunteers as you can get, and we'll train you Sunday on how to pull this off. And sure enough, man, we just had an amazing first year. And every year, just you know, we've been improving, making improvements, trying to figure out how do we connect with these families, these parents, and um, the Lord really has um, blessed the effort. And so we're just grateful you guys are here, and um, this is the exciting time in life of our church to be able to do this one more time. Not sure beyond, we're, we've made a commitment to five years of doing this camp, and so this is our fifth year. And so pray for us as we're leading up to it. Get involved in it if you can. And uh, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Father, we're we're grateful to be here. We're so thankful, Lord, for this privilege that it is, God, to to explore a relationship with you, to understand how we can connect with you. And for those of us who do know you, Lord, to learn about how we can um, walk through life in a way that brings about good. And, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us this morning, that your word would um, cut to our hearts, Lord, and help us to understand what you'd have to say to us about some of the challenges and attacks we deal with in our daily lives. So, Lord, we pray you lead us and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm really glad you're here. I have been on um, a speaking break for the last month, and so it really is exciting to be back, and, and um, it kind of feels like I have to make up for you know being gone, so I might go really long today, and I did last service, and so i got three weeks to make up for, so... Um, but we'll try to get you out of here before evening. So, In the middle of a series called Box Office Wisdom, where we've been looking at some of the messages that are coming at us, there's all sorts of messages that come at us in the movies that we watch. And so if you're a moviegoer, which I'm sure most of you occasionally take in a movie, maybe at home or at the theaters, there's these messages that are coming at us, and it's really important for us to be discerning when we're watching movies, to, to understand what are these messages. Are these messages true? What are are we being sold? What are we we taking in? Are these messages true? And so we've been talking about how to discern the messages and then to compare those messages to what God says in the Bible. The goal of this series is not to promote um, these films or to boost ticket sales. We don't get any royalties or cuts on any of these films. And we're not film critics either. And so what we're trying to do is identify what are those themes and then compare those themes to Scripture. And so for the past... Uh, month, um, we've had messages on some of the blockbuster movies that have come out, and many times in movies there's this predicament or there's this problem where this problem um, is created in the movie, and then we can spot the core message of the movie by paying attention to how the hero or the heroine 
solves the problem or saves the day, whatever they do to save the day, whatever action steps they take to bring about a good outcome in the midst of this problem, that's usually the core message of the movie. And so if you can identify, what's this movie really trying to tell me? Um, you can walk out of there and you can begin to have a different perspective. You can talk to your kids about, hey, what do you think about that message? You know, the way she went about that or the way he went about that. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? you think that's a good thing we should do in our home or our family? Oftentimes, we just begin to take things in and work them into our lives without even really understanding why we're doing those things. Whatever it is to bring good in the movie isn't necessarily a good thing to, to put into practice in our world and in our lives. And so this week, we're looking at Briefly going to look at the theme from the movie Brave, and then we're going to kind of launch from there into um, looking at how we deal with pressure and attacks that we face in our world. So this is a Disney Pixar movie, big, huge movie. They've been building this up for quite a while, the movie Brave. And so here's the trailer of the movie, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the message behind the movie. So let's roll that. A land filled with magic and danger. That's my father, King of Dumbro. Then there's my brothers. We devils, more like. And there's my mother. She's in charge of every single day of my life. A lady rises early. Does he stuff her gob? Does not place her weapons on the table. Oh, uh, Mom. She just doesn't listen. Pretend I'm Merida. Speak to me. I don't want to get married. I want to stay single and let my hair flow in the wind as I ride through the glen, firing arrows into the sunset. Places, everyone. <laughs> Each of the firstborn must compete for the hand of the fair maiden. <gasps> oh, that's attractive. Show a little decorum. Give us a turn. Oh, I can't breathe. Oh, shush. It's perfect. I'll be shooting for my own hand. Where's this Don't you dare loose another arrow. What became of this precious daughter I want that's new? I want a spell that changes my fate. Done. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Where is the queen? This means war! seen this yet. Has anybody seen this movie? A couple. A couple. I took my family to see this movie last week. And, um, you know, that, that line she says at the end, you know, if you had the chance to change your fate, would you do it? Or would, would you? I guess she said. She said it that way. Nice Scottish accent. You know, so this is, this is part of the message that, that is coming through the movie. Merida 
this daughter of the king, she resented the circumstances of her life. She resented some of the people in her life, and so she sets out to try to change her circumstances and also to change the people that were leading her. And what this ends up doing is it brings about real, real trouble. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, and I can tell you how it all worked, but there are some things in the movie that you see that actually parallel how life really works. One of the things you see in the movie is, you, you sort of see it in the trailer, the mom is really trying to control the daughter and telling her, this is how life works, this is how a proper lady acts. And so Merida, the daughter, her pride, it wells up and it tears the bond, the relationship, it, it tears the bond between her and her mother. And actually this is true, this is reality. Pride and arrogance, it tears relationships. It actually creates dissension and, and it divides close friends, it divides people, it divides families. Pride and arrogance, in fact, is, is part of our core problem. In our heart of hearts, we all think we deserve to get all that we can in life. And so we go after things, and pride in our pride, we think we deserve those things, creates all sorts of challenges and difficulties that we face. The Bible says this is where conflict comes from. The book of James says that quarrels and arguments stem out of just us trying to get what we really want out of life. And many movies, actually, they depict the mess that the world is in. They, they display the trouble that we all know is, is real and that we experience. And the solution, however, in, in most movies is very different than what God says the solution is to dealing with the mess. Um, the solution in this movie, it, it says a lot about the values perspective of the director or the creative team who wrote the, the film. But in the scripture, the scriptural biblical perspective is the world, it's in a mess for a reason. There's a real reason that our world is, is pretty messed up and that there's problems and trouble. And if you look at the top of your listening guide, we're going to talk about this. It says at the top of your listening guide, rebellious choices have actually brought about trouble into the world. So we experience it. There are things constantly unraveling because the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against what God said. He'd set some boundaries around them. They decided to operate independently from God. They went against what God wanted. They rebelled, and those choices introduced sin and then the effects of sin on our, worlds, on our world. And all of us have, have actually decided to try to do life, leaving God out of the picture, following Adam and Eve, and, and we've adopted that way of thinking, that way of life, and it has introduced all sorts of trouble so that we experience just a mess. Hollywood depicts the mess in all sorts of ways, but Scripture says there's a reason for the you know, the reason for all the trouble, it, it, it stems back from the fall, from the decision to rebel from God. Rebellious choices have brought about trouble in the world and they we all experience certain things. If you look frustration in work and relationships, work is hard Work is painful, it's toilsome, it's very difficult. We feel this, we know this. We think a project's going to be easy and it's just not easy. Our relationships, we think just when I've got them together, they start falling apart again. Just when we think we're on track, things unravel. That's not just because you are messed up. It's because the world is messed up and we're a part of a fallen world and we, in fact, have chosen to rebel against God. And so... The trouble that we experience, it's tied to the fact that we ourselves, we have a rebellious streak. and We come in a long line of rebellious humans. All of us, in fact, have sinned. 
Life is also harder than intended. Life is just difficult because of the effects of rebellion and because of our sin. Finishing projects is very difficult. Also, we have an enemy who pushes against doing right. The enemy. We have an enemy who just stays and opposing us. As we'll see, his attack is very crafty. His attack is, he's a schemer. And so, the devil, Satan, he, he has specific um, intentions for his attack. And I want to look at what he's intending to do as he goes after us. We oftentimes leave out the whole spiritual dimension. We see and we hear and we smell and we can touch things. And we, we operate in this physical world and so we tend to think everything's physical. And we often leave out the spiritual dimension. And we don't interact or engage or, or consider that there might be something spiritually happening in my life that I need to handle in a spiritual manner. But we're constantly under attack. Our efforts are under attack. Our lives, our relationships are under attack. And this is a result, not just because we're this special case, but because rebellious choices have brought about trouble, which introduced an attack from the enemy into our lives. Also, doing the right thing, another effect of the fall and rebellion is doing the right thing is just a real battle all the time. Choosing to do what's right is difficult. It's not easy. For those of you who've come to Christ as adults, it's, it's just like you're trying to build a new life and you're trying to build it and chisel a new life out of solid rock. It's just really, really challenging. And so, as, as those who desire to follow Christ, we have to understand that our rebellious choices make a mess of the world we live in. They make a mess. They can make a mess in our families. And the movie, you know, as, as rebellion in the movie plays out, the heroine, Merida, she goes about trying to fix the problem a certain way. And this, the way that she goes about it, you're going to see a brief 45-second um, like director's explanation of the film. He, he tells us the message of the movie. And so, take a listen. This is a very common theme that we hear in Hollywood. When trouble strikes, here's how you deal with it. Brave! is about, in a nutshell, um, a child's struggle with finding themselves. More specifically, their struggle in reconciling how the world sees them versus how they see themselves. And the true definition of bravery, I believe, is, is looking then inside yourself and finding the answer. Because it's going to be not one or the other, but something kind of combined and new and different. And if you can face that and accept that, that's what actually being brave is about. So there you have it. That's what being brave is all about. You see this in your listening guide. In the world's view, bravery is often defined by reaching inside of yourself and finding the courage to change your fate. There's a problem. Well, you reach inside yourself to fix the problem. So this is what she's trying to do. That's really the message of the movie. That you, that me, I'm the answer to the problems that we face. So if I look deep within myself, I can find my way out. However, the Bible actually says something very, very different. The Bible always takes you to the same source of confidence in the face of battle, in the face of trouble. It's God himself. 
He is our confidence. We take courage in Him. Not by looking within ourselves. We, we look to Him when we're in conflict, when we're in trouble. God had this to say to, to God's people. Moses actually spoke to God's people just as he's about to, to die and he's about to hand the reins of leadership over to Joshua. And they're at the edge of the promised land. They're about to advance into enemy territory. And Moses tells the people of Israel, he says this, it says in Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Them is the Canaanites. Don't be afraid of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Israelites, they were terrified of the people that they would, you know, that lived in the lands that they would be taking. This was their promised land. God's leading them there. The source of their strength and confidence wasn't going to be found in their ability to just figure everything out in themselves. To reach down inside. Moses didn't say, hey, we're going to get in the land. Just reach down deep and come up with something in the moment. He said, be strong, be courageous. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He says, the Lord goes with you. This is the idea that the Lord escorts you. He says, provides a hedge of protection around escorting them, walking around them in a sense taking them into the land. He's leading them. He's guiding. He goes with. And then he says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. We need to be reminded of this. God won't desert His people. God Himself would care for them as a people. So courage, the same is true for us today. We need to be reminded, as we choose by faith to put our trust in God through Jesus Christ, we have a God who walks us through life. He navigates the ups and downs of life. Courage is not found by reaching within ourselves, but by choosing faith in a God who will walk us through, who answers, who has answers for how to face trouble. And I've tried, and you probably have too, I've tried to find the power within myself to solve problems, or the power within myself. But when I reach down into my heart, I dip into a mixed bag of feelings and desires that often lead me in the wrong direction. Drives and, and things that, if I'll follow them, they create a, a real tremendous mess. Or they complicated things that I've already messed up. You know, I want to change, but I feel defeated. Or I, I, I want to reach my goals, but I'm so easily distracted. And this is how we work. If we look inside ourselves, it's an empty source. It's an empty... And after a while of trying to do things on my own, I finally realized, man, I really need help outside myself. I look to God. I look to God. So God, He wants to guide us. I want to look at this passage in Joshua. Moses hands the leadership to Joshua to actually advance into the promised land. And there's three ideas that come out of this passage that I want to focus on. Look at how God guides us. This is Joshua. Moses is basically, he's dead now. And Joshua is going to lead. And God is telling Joshua and commissioning him with these instructions about leading these people. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right. Don't turn from it to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He's repeating himself. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He repeats three things twice. Be strong, be courageous, and be careful to obey. 
God's guidance, this is actually how God guides us to respond to difficulty, to things that unravel, to things that fall apart, to, to attack even. First, he says, be strong. Be strong. This is a Hebrew word, hazak. It means to keep a firm grip on my efforts or my responsibilities. It's, it's to keep a firm grip on things that I'm supposed to take care of, that I'm supposed to be responsible for. To keep a grip on my family, to not let my family get away. To not let the direction of my family move away from what God would intend. If I'm responsible to, to keep a firm grip on the direction of my family, to not give that over to anyone else. Or, or in, my, in my job, if I'm responsible for certain things, to keep a firm grip, to be, you know, to be on time, to be faithful, to finish things, to, to keep a firm grip on what, what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. That's, that's extremely important. Being strong involves that. It's at work, in family life, in my ministry, in my responsibilities, in my resources. Whatever you are responsible for, this idea is pay attention to those things. Don't loosen your grip. God says to Joshua. He's basically saying, this is your responsibility. Don't let go of it. Second, he says, be courageous. The idea here, the Hebrew word amatz, it's regardless of how you feel, act with courage. It's the idea of moving with valor or acting with valor. It's moving forward. Carries the idea of advancing, which is for, for God's people, for Joshua and the Israelites, they're advancing into new territory. They're taking enemy ground. They're moving into the promised land. This is, it requires courage. It's moving forward, acting with valor. For us, it's stepping out in our faith. It's taking risks. It's moving boldly forward to obey the Lord, whether it's serving or it's, it's helping, pitching in to help others, volunteering, giving, sharing our faith, sacrificing. All of these things, these are acts of forward momentum in our faith. They're, they're pushing us to take risks. So God says, be courageous. This is extremely important in the Christian life, to choose courage, to keep moving forward. Then last he tells, he says to, to Joshua, be careful to obey all that I've commanded. Now this is very important. Careful obedience, it means if God says, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, then you do this, you do this, you do this, and you don't do this. That's careful obedience. You're very precise and specific. Oftentimes, we want to think in general terms. But God wants us to think very, very specifically when it comes to obeying Him. If God has said, here's how life works, and here's how I want you to handle these situations, then careful obedience, it's exact. It's precise. It's not wavering. It's not stepping to the right or to the left, as He said. It's guiding carefully by God's Word, not deviating. So for us, it's getting to know Him. Not just dealing in the general, but getting to know Him in the specific. And this idea of being careful to obey... This would be tested not long for Joshua. Time and time again. God would put the people of Israel in a position where they would take a land like Jericho, for example. Great example of this. Why careful obedience is important. God tells Joshua, okay, we're gonna, now we're going to take Jericho. Jericho's got this big wall around it. God says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to rally the, the people. They're going to march around the city seven times. Then we're going we're gonna, to you know, sound a horn. Everyone shout and the walls are going to fall down. Now that requires careful obedience because it sounds like a ridiculous idea. Now, it, it sounds ridiculous. If I said, okay guys, we're going to do this right now, we're going to try to bring the walls down. You'd be, you just, it's ridiculous. So for, 
This would be tested, this idea of carefully obey everything. Well, God would put him in a position where this was required. All right, God said it. Let's see how this works out. Well, they were careful to obey. The walls came down. They advanced. And over and over, in situations where it seemed impossible to advance, God would say, all right, here's what I want you to do. They were careful to do exactly. And see, oftentimes, we don't understand how important it is to be precise in our obedience with God. I mentioned earlier that we have a very real enemy who, because of the fall, he is so crafty, he's so calculated with his schemes that he goes after us in specific... He attacks these those three areas, he attacks those things. And so, often in life we experience a three-point attack against first our efforts and our responsibilities. And you might want to draw a line from being strong to our efforts and our responsibilities because... This is where he goes after. He challenges the, he challenges us with what we're responsible for. He challenges us in our in our relationships or in our work. And so we get stressed out. He wants us to learn to hang on, to hang on to our responsibilities, to not loosen our grip. The intent when he attacks our efforts, our responsibility, he, he intends for us to loosen our grip. He's trying to get us to loosen our grip on our family so that things unravel. And once things begin to unravel, it sets the stage for all sorts of future attacks. And, and, and you see this, where people loosen their grip, things unravel, and then all sorts of additional attack come. All sorts of additional problems come because the guard is down. And so that's why God said, Joshua, be strong. Keep a firm grip. Do not loosen the grip on your responsibilities. You're responsible for certain things. Think about Think about what those things are. Hey, are do, you have a, do you have a tight grip on those things? Or has stress or anxiety or trouble caused you to loosen up out of frustration, out of just anxiety and fear? Keep a firm grip. Also, we experience an attack against our thoughts and our feelings. This is tied to where, Jesus, where Joshua is told, be courageous. The enemy actually attacks it. He's told to be courageous because the enemy will attack our feelings, our thoughts. We get thoughts that come to our mind like, I can't do this anymore. It's too, it's too hard or it's not working. Or it's not worth it. My efforts aren't worth it. I'm doing all this effort and it's not worth it. No one's recognizing me. No one's paying attention or I'm not getting what I thought I would get. And so th- those enemy thoughts over time, they can really defeat us. But regardless of how you feel, To be courageous means you act with courage. You continue to do what you know is right. Regardless of the thoughts, the defeated lies that come to our mind, whenever we feel the attack coming, whenever we feel that our emotions and our thoughts have been captured, we need to say, you know what, that's not true. That is not true. I don't have to believe that. I don't have to be carried away. Or I'm not going to go there in my thinking. The intent of this attack on our emotions is is to stop forward progress, to stop obedience. It's to stop and freeze us from moving forward. So Joshua was told, hey, be courageous. Keep moving forward. You may not feel like it, but keep moving forward. Keep advancing. Also, we experience oftentimes an attack against our obedience to what God has said. You know, Joshua was told, be careful to obey everything specifically. So we get attacked in this area. Whenever the attack is on, we're tempted to find a way around God or we're tempted to, to fix, the, you know, fix the problem in a way that 
maybe leads us to go and take a shortcut or to find a solution that we know would be disobedient to God. Or maybe to get some satisfaction in life that would require us to disobey God. That's oftentimes what we face. And the intent of this attack is to damage us personally, to ruin our reputation, to ruin or to damage those that we're responsible for. If, we, if we'll let go of obedience to what God says and we start trying to, as the film says, reach within ourselves and come up with our own game plan of, of how life really works, we open up the attack for our family. We open up the attack for those that we're responsible for in ministry. Things just begin to unravel more and more. The intent of this is even to damage churches, organizations, families. The whole structure gets attacked. God's reputation And the enemy, he's crafty, so he'll work not just at one of these areas, but he'll work maybe all three, or maybe he'll work on my thoughts and emotions for a while. And if that's not getting me, then maybe he'll go and mess with a different area. And maybe I'll get discouraged and give in, and then maybe maybe my thoughts and emotions get attacked again. Oftentimes, like I said, we tend to think only in terms of the physical realm. We tend to disregard that we have a real enemy who's out to destroy us. Briefly, on the back you see, here's these ways to defeat the three-point attack. It's getting even more specific. First, identifying identifying what's really going on. The attack is on. This is really important to understand that Peter says this, be self-controlled and alert. This is to the, to the follower of Christ. Be self-controlled and alert, meaning pay attention. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Some of us don't even believe, that's ah, not real, that's just mumbo-jumbo. That's, that's poltergeist, or that's the movies, or you know. And, and we tend to not think at all. We disregard this whole area. And so we tend to think, oh, that's just not fair. What's happening to me is not fair. And so we look for solutions, again, within ourselves. But we cannot forget that so many of our problems are the fact that we're living in a fallen world, and we now have an enemy who's set on destruction. Paul calls it warfare. Paul said this, Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Again, identify the attack is on. Be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. The idea here is to be watchful. Just like a soldier whose job is to be on the lookout for the invading army, we need to be realizing that we can be attacked from the enemy. For those of us who follow Christ and we're advancing we're taking, you know, we're advancing God's kingdom. God's enemy hates that. So he's going to try to block that. Second, when you're under attack, refuse the discouragement. When the discouraging thoughts come to our mind, just as Moses told Joshua, you know, be strong, be courageous. Do not be terrified. Don't be discouraged, he said. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. This word dismayed, it actually literally means to anxiously look at one another in dismay. It's like when bad things happen, we tend to look around and we want someone else to wallow with us and to, to give up with us and to, we get so discouraged, but we have to refuse. We have to not allow our thoughts and our emotions to just run wild, but rein them in, telling ourselves the truth. Also, continually ask God for help. And you feel like you're, you're, 
See, we're responsible for the choices we make, but when we set out on rebellious course, the enemy gets involved. He has some, he has some, uh, some grounds and some privileges now in our thinking and in ways to work on us that we need to stop and say, you know, I need God's help. I'm in over my head and my thinking's getting away from me. Look at what David said. So many of the Psalms you see are a cry for help. They're a cry for help. When, when David was in over his head, at this one point, he praised God. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield. He's the horn, which is a horn is a symbol of strength. He's the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I'm saved from my enemies. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. For me personally, when I'm, when I'm, when things are unraveling and when my thoughts are getting away from me, I really need to turn to God for help because oftentimes it will just spiral downward in my thoughts and gets worse and worse and worse. And for example, last week, we had some family in town and my brother-in-law were trying to do a simple routine thing on my mother-in-law's car and I made a serious mistake on a simple oil change. And uh, so I do the oil change, which I've done many in my lifetime and I've never made this simple mistake. But I, I made this mistake and, okay, I'll tell you what I did. I drained the transmission fluid and I was supposed to drain the oil. <laughs> so you drain the oil, change the filter. Well, I drained the wrong thing. <laughs> So I drained the transmission fluid, and then I, you know, closed that, put in a new filter, put new oil in, and I and I take the car, do some other things, take the car on a little test drive, and it backing out of my driveway, you know, the little light comes on, check engine light, and it's just running horribly. I'm like, what did I do? And my brother and I, I started blaming it on him because he spilt a little bit of oil when he was putting it in. Oh man, you must have really, you know, maybe you got a little more on the engine then. And he's like, and I'm like, oh, that, would that do that? And so we're looking in there, and so we start driving it down the street, and it's not shifting. It's like doing weird things, and then there's white smoke blowing out the tailpipe. And I'm like, what in the world did I do? It's my mother-in-law's newer vehicle, and uh, pull onto Van Buren, and it's like no power. And I'm like, it's you know, it's 55 on Van Buren, I think. And I can't get it to shift into gear. It's in gear, but it's like in first. It won't go faster than like 15. White smoke everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, I ruined her car. I get it eventually back to the home, which probably was a bad idea to keep driving. But I get it back to my house, and I'm like, white smoke. That's, I think I blew her head gasket. I don't know how I did that, but I think I really ruined her car. And we had a whole day planned, and my thoughts start getting away from me. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to cost thousands of dollars. I don't have thousands of dollars. This is ruining their trip. Her mom came down here. We only have a couple days. She goes home tomorrow. I ruined the day. What are we going to do? And I'm just complaining. And Erica comes out and she could see that I've got that look. She's seen the look before when I'm working on cars. And, uh, and I'm just like, I think I really screwed up. I don't know what I did, but it's really bad. We can't drive this. We're all planning to go to the beach. She's like, well, have you prayed? Well, no, I'm trying to fix the problem, honey. And... <laughs> And so it's immediately, it's like, yeah, no. I, so 
we pray. Moments later, I'm like, I need to, at first we were going to take it to Firestone, which we knew would have cost lots of money. And um, I, I was like, man, I wish my mechanic was open, but he doesn't work Monday through Friday, so it's Saturday. And I'm like, well, I called the mechanic's number anyway. And he answers, and I'm like, what are you doing? Don't you not work today? He's like, I'm always open on Saturdays. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And then, so I, I said, I've got a real problem. I think I need to tow my car there. I don't know what I did wrong. And I, I start telling him all the symptoms. He says, sounds like you drained your transmission and, and overfilled your oil. I said, I think I would have known if I drained the transmission. And, and then as we're talking, I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I think I drained the transmission. <laughs> so I... So I said, how would I know that? He says, well, check your oil dipstick. So I check it, and sure enough, I see it's kind of full. He says, well, how full is it? And I said, it's pretty full. And he said, is it like an inch above the line, an inch and a half, two inches? like, yeah, probably in that range, you know. And he's like, okay, so you need to do this. And within 20 minutes, we've got it all done. Car's driving fine. And, um, but, man, my thoughts were getting away from me. I, and you might think, you know, that's, that's coincidence. You just happen to call the mechanic at the right time and he knew exactly well my my weekend would have been spoiled if i did what i thought maybe would have needed to be done initially in that situation and we could have caused more problems if i went hunting for solutions we asked the lord for help he very quickly and i honestly i you know that happens once in a while in your life you think that's a coincidence you know but we've seen this over and over in matters like that where it be mechanic problems that i don't do right or whether it be family problems that are not going well, where the kids are out of sorts, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. God, would you help us? And we'll ask God for help. And he intervenes, and things settle down. Don't just, don't just disregard the spiritual dynamic. We live in a fallen, broken world, and there's an enemy who goes after us. He'll work when we make mistakes, even. He'll work to add additional discouragement so that we'll be stunted and frozen and not able to make any progress the last two things you see on there is also command the enemy to leave you feel like you're really under attack and you feel like you are being attacked you withstand him by commanding him to leave you first peter 5 9 resist him the devil it's the idea of withstand resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering same idea in james James says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The opposite of resistance is just be overtaken. It's just to be taken over by our thoughts and our emotions. We're told to take an aggressive stand against the enemy. Jesus actually said this to, the, to his followers. He'd sent out 72 to do ministry. He'd given them authority to, to minister. And, and look what he says. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus wasn't speaking of Satan being cast out at that precise moment. What he's speaking about is that Satan's power had been broken and he was subject now to Jesus' authority. Verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice, he says, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus gave his followers, he's given us a certain amount of authority over the enemy. In Matthew 28, Jesus reminds us of this. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given. We, we have authority. We can command the enemy to back off, to leave. If we feel like we're being really bothered. We feel like we're, we're under attack from these different, in these different ways. Rather than just, again, 
doing like I did and freaking out or looking within ourselves, we can, we can do exactly, be careful to obey exactly what He said to do in those moments. The last thing is, finally, keep fighting until you've won the battle. Keep fighting. For the champions of our faith, for those that we read about in the Scripture, it's a fight. And we have to keep fighting through those attacks. Paul said at the end of his life and his ministry, he said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He fought all his life. And his was a real struggle at times. You know, I read about his life and I think I've never been shipwrecked. I've never been abandoned and alone. I've never been stoned and left for dead. I've never been beaten. You know, all of these things that he did, you know, he, he, it was a fight. For us, it's a fight. We have to begin to engage that battle. The effects of sin and rebellion, man, they take a serious toll on our lives if we just give in to them, if we're captured by them. But we have a God, He gives us courage as we, as we anchor our lives on Himself, on Him, as we submit our ways very specifically and respond to Him as He, as he leads us in these ways. Go ahead and take out that white connection card as the band comes up. On the back you'll see, what I did with the next steps this morning is I tie these three next steps to be strong, be courageous, and be careful to obey it might be that you feel like, you know what, I feel like I, I have lost the battle in one of these three areas. And you might consider focusing this week on specific, one specific thing. Maybe it's strengthened my grip again on my responsibilities. If you've loosened your grip, whether it be your family, whether it be your work, or, or something you're responsible for, and you feel like you've loosened your grip and you've begun to buy into some things, second, start moving forward again with courage and bravery. If... If the enemy can prevent us from making forward progress in our faith and he freezes us, then we stay the same. We live the same years of our life over and over and over again. So maybe that's the step is start moving forward again in obedience. And then last, go again to God's Word for guidance. Maybe you've taken a break from really um, digging into the Word of God. Maybe at one point you were really spending time with God and investigating what he has to say or trying to get into the scripture and letting it lead your life but then maybe you felt like you just got off course you deviated from that and you've begun to find a solution in some other area I'd encourage you to to go again to God's word for guidance in this area so let's go to the Lord in prayer Father we love you I thank you for your presence with us this morning thank you for your, your word and how Lord, you, so many of us, we deal with things that you've spoken to, that this idea of being strong and courageous and being careful to obey, Lord, those things we need to hang on to each day in our families. As, just as we navigate the trouble that we face because of our own rebellious choices, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to continue to be strong, to once again to tighten up our grip, or once again to move forward in obedience or once again to just dig into the word of God to allow it to lead us Lord I pray for us as we set out to do this we need your courage we thank you that you go with us Lord and that we're not alone in this life thank you that we don't have to look within ourselves for answers but you you are the answer and so God we love you we thank you for providing a way for us to know you personally through your son Jesus Christ we love you we pray for the week ahead of us, for the trouble, the 
challenges that we face, for the things that are currently unraveling in our lives that we want, we need help. And I pray that we would ask you this week to intervene and we'd respond in the way that you've instructed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.